detector will show me this. Unpossible 15. Get 15% off. Even shot a baboon. A baboon. A baboon. Baboon. Can you eat a baboon? Is there a season for baboon? Every day. Shoulder deep in that cow's butthole. All right. So we're here with Matt and David. And uh, you guys, so it's your fifth podcast ever. Uh, Yeah, I think so. I'm estimating. Okay. I think it's my fifth. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? This is my first. First podcast. People are going to say, why is this guy here? That's, that's stupid. <laughs> well, it's think. because you're you're fun and you're funny. I appreciate that. Those Kevin. things are that good. means a lot coming from you. Uh, I agree. I think he's fun and funny too. But I still every day he's here say, "Why is this guy?" I was going to say Matt. Matt never says that to me. <laughs> he's like, "Can I just get a harness that holds all the cameras and I just wear it?" He would probably if he could. Yeah, I think it's possible. Yeah, it would save me a lot of money. How much is the harness? I don't know. Two hundred bucks. <laughs> I, I can float you alone for my YouTube money. We're pretty big. I think we have like eleven thousand subscribers. Oh, so, Matt just hit a milestone recently. Yeah. And it's, well, very like 10, similar, it's very similar to that number. You just mm-hmm. have to add like three other zeros. Is that right? Did I do that right? Oh, is it? So right at 11 million. We, we hit 11 million, what, like four days ago or something. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. Did you yeah. have a party? Uh, no, no one threw me a party. I just realized. You do need some new employees. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> I, I pay people to throw me parties. I uh, know. <laughs> I want to be recognized. We, we were saving it for 15. Mm. Oh, that one's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Every million up to 10 years is important until you pass 10. And then it's just like, eh. yeah, that's probably what, what probably is what is true. the next milestone? Do you know the next YouTube milestone? I think it's 50 million. Oh, wow. Yeah. They skip 25. That's a big yeah. jump. I think they go straight to 50. I think I think PewDiePie got something at 50 and then he got something at 100. Because we were talking about this last week. Like Mr. Beast just hit. I think 100, right? And yeah. that's the first time somebody's hit 100. No, PewDiePie did. Pewdie- oh, Pewdie- PewDiePie okay. did a couple years ago. Okay. Oh, so Beast isn't the biggest one? Mm-mm. I mean, he gets more views than anybody else. PewDiePie's been around longer, so he has more subscribers. Huh. What's more important? Uh, views, for sure. Mr. Beast is the most popular YouTuber right now, even though PewDiePie has more views, more subscribers than him. Yeah, I saw um, Beast on the Joe Rogan thing. My oh, daughters yeah. watch some yeah. of his videos and all I know, but I'd never seen any. But yeah. he was interesting. I liked the podcast. He is interesting. I haven't yeah. watched that, and I haven't watched too many of his videos. I watched a few of them, but my kids love him. Yeah, and, and we let them watch him because it's a kid friendly show. So it's it is really well produced too. Yeah, like for uh, yeah yeah, it's just everything from the thumbnail to the concept to the execution. It makes sense. It seems he's figured it out. Yeah, yeah he I still talks so. like he hasn't though. He still like when people ask him like well, uh, he answered the question like something about the algorithm. And he, he's always answering it like, well, this is just what I have found. It works. because you can't figure out that algorithm. And yeah. it changes, too. By the time you get it figured out, it's on to something different. Well, do you consider, so your content, you consider family content as well, huh? Yeah. Kid-friendly? Basically, I make it to where I know if my kids watch it, I'm not going to get in trouble by my wife. So, because my kids watch all my videos. and That's my good rule of thumb. My friends' kids watch my videos, and so I don't want my friends to be mad at me, you know, if I say something bad. So, yeah, I, I would say it's kid-friendly for the most part. So, what's your wife's least favorite Demo Ranch video? Probably any of them with her in them. <laughs> she <laughs> hates them. Gonna She's say. been in, like, four videos or something. She hates being in them, but uh, she, otherwise she could care less what I do. Oh, really? Yeah, she doesn't. She does like, I can be like, we just put out this video where we curved a bullet around in a you know, plastic pipe and it worked. And she's like, all right, cool. She thinks you're just a big idiot. Yeah. She's like, I was dumb, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I say that in the most loving way possible. Yeah. 
Okay, so you do, what do you do here? Um, what don't I do here? What exactly what did you say? I don't know. You, you don't, do here. You don't get the septic tank in. Yeah, no, I, I definitely don't. This is my septic guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's not in. <laughs> Matt, you hired somebody who has no idea what they're doing. You should watch some YouTube tutorials. You I'm sure I could figure out. Give me like a week and I'll have it. No, never mind. You might beat them. That's true. <laughs> There, there may be some noise on this podcast because we have a backhoe right out that window who is supposed to be putting in a septic tank right now because we can't go poo-poo in this building yet, and we'd really like to be able to do that. Yeah, I disagree. Five-gallon <laughs> bucket, you're fine. That's what I say. We can save a lot of money. That's, that's a, a challenge. concrete floor out there. We're, water hey, hose. He just gave away the secret that we're, he's going to leave, and then we're going we're gonna to find it and be he like, who was this? we be like, that was Kevin. <laughs> he, he talked about it. Told you Kevin. guys. He yeah. left us his, his memento. Do a that's podcast funny. where we can't poo. That's just... I can't work in these. That sounds like a Mr. Beast video. I didn't poo for 48 Last hours. Last one's a poo gets a Lamborghini. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would lose. Yeah. yeah. I got to go right now. Yeah. So, so besides pooing and septic tank work, what do you do? Oh, yeah. What do you actually do? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I I run camera for, for the channel and, and for Off the Ranch, too. Um, some, sometimes. Um, I mean, you just put out an Off the Ranch video where I don't think... The, the CUDA coming home video, I wasn't on at all. It was all me. He'll, he'll put videos out sometimes where I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that was going live. I didn't know he was doing something. But for Demo Ranch, every video um, for the past almost almost year I've been involved with. Yeah. Um, maintaining all the all the files, making sure everything gets edited and uploaded. Uh, more, more of that lately, more of the actual yep. YouTube channel stuff that you've entrusted me with. Yeah. Um, so you do the editing? So I'll edit. I don't edit every single episode. Mm-hmm. Um but I have had to in the past. Uh, we have an offsite team that helps with editing because um, it is a small team, and editing can take obviously can take a while. Yeah, we have this service that is the coolest thing ever. They are overseas, and so we upload them footage at night. You know, after we finish, with you know five o'clock, we upload them the footage, yeah. and the next morning it's yeah it's well, edited and back to us. A lot of times by the next morning, um, it you is know, we'll, the coolest we'll be thing like, ever. Hey, it's it's done. It's in the it's in the Google Drive. In a done folder, I'll go. I'll, I'll grab it if I have to put um, an intro in. Uh, there's because there's we've never done an episode without an intro, at least as long as I've been here. No um, ads, any any sponsored sponsored ads. Um, I edit those because that that has a different process of approval. Um, so between me and Jenna, we'll, we handle that, and then once it's approved, it goes in, and the episode gets uploaded, and yeah. and well, all that. How long did it take for them to understand? They just watch videos you'd done in the past, or how do you? Yeah. So I I used to do everything by myself. Yeah. course as most youtubers do and like i you know filmed everything by myself edited everything by myself uploaded everything and i was the more the algorithm i don't know when this was like five years ago the algorithm back then was the more content you put out the more you get fed into the algorithm and so i was like just stressing every day to put out as much video as i could like i just wanted a video every day or at least every other day and it was stressing out my family because i wasn't around very much because i would Film all day. I'd go, you know, at 5.30, go hang out with the kids, and we'd have dinner and that kind of stuff. And we'd put the kids to bed at whatever, 8.30. And then it was like, all right, bye, Meredith. I have to go edit. And I would go edit until, like, 1.30 in the morning, upload all that stuff to get it ready to go live the next day. And she finally came to me, and she was like, hey, we never see each other. We never hang out. Like, you know, I want to watch TV with you, but you're always too busy to watch TV and that kind of stuff. And so I was like... Well, I've been getting emails from these editors, you know, wanting to try to edit my content. I'm just going to try it. And so it was like, you know, free to try it first. And so they were like, I, I contacted them and 
they were like, yeah, just send us all your footage and like take notes, like give us notes while you're filming. Say, all right, editor, right here, I want to put some music in that kind of this kind of music. And right here, I want this to be sped up. And like, I just ta- I talked to the editors while I'm filming, kind of give them some notes. And, you know, they gave it back and there were some few things that I wanted to adjust and that kind of stuff. Um, and then they've been doing it for years and they just got good at it. They just know what I want now. But so, so do you so you don't have to talk to them while you film now? I still do a still little do. bit, but they generally can figure out what I want. Well, yeah, if there's something super specific that or maybe isn't normally part of episodes. Yeah. Um, like when did we start doing the montages yeah. around Christmas time? Right? Yeah, just probably Christmas. Christmas yeah. So, yeah, we we were like. I don't, and I don't even remember how it happened, but we just started doing them pretty much every episode where we, it's kind of playing, playing to the whole like cool guy montage that a lot of gun, gun tubers do. Um, and so like the music will get super intense and the, the color correcting gets real, you know, dramatic and it's, everything's in slow-mo for the most part, but we, we, we add an element of kind of ridiculousness to it. Um, we but just, we, we, we talk the editors through that too. Like, yeah, we like make it over the top kind of silly and stupid mm-hmm. sort of making fun of that kind of stuff while still trying to be like cool guy. Um, it's yeah. entertaining. And, and they oh, figured out that they figured out what we want. I mean, oh, they, they do a really good job sometimes. Yes. Well, well, at what point did you, so if you're at 11 million subscribers now, at what point did you start outsourcing the editing? Man, um, over five for sure. Oh, so you're doing it all I, until then. I did it all by myself for way too long. Like it, it really, I should have got editors three years earlier or something. Yeah. See? Disseminate. Who yep. is, is that you again, Thomas? <laughs> he gets so upset about it. If, if your phone goes off in here, he'll probably slap me. His goes <laughs> off. He's all like, it's no big deal. He's the one editing. Don't empower him. <laughs> we, hey, us AV guys, we got to stick together. I got you, Thomas. Okay, so so little Grom, Matt, where where'd you grow up? I grew up here. Here, oh, San yeah. Antonio. Yeah, this this town, Bernie. Yeah, right outside of oh, San Antonio. Man, this little town. I, I my my kids go to the same schools I went to. Like it, it's weird. Oh, yeah. How weird is that? Yeah. yeah. So I left when I graduated high school. I went through all schools here, and I left when I it, graduated high and school. And you told your parents I want to be a, this big YouTuber. No, <laughs> I, I mean I, I wish I would have. <laughs> I, uh, they, they would have, they would have slapped. Oh you. yeah, for sure. And that was 2004. So YouTube wasn't a thing back then, but I went to Texas A&M, wanted to be a veterinarian because my dad was a veterinarian. Oh, so cool. I went to A&M for four years, got a biomedical science um, degree. And then I went to vet school for four years and got my doctorate in veterinary medicine. Wow. Um, so I am a veterinarian. I graduated and I moved out to West Texas and I worked for a little bit and then I moved back to Bernie. Oh, so you didn't work at your your dad's place no not right off the bat he wouldn't hire me he said no <laughs> i like your dad yeah he told me that. he was That's like funny. no i want you to go learn with someone else and screw up there he's like i don't want you to screw up working for me and so <laughs> i we moved, I got a name in this town yeah so. he was like no you're gonna mess stuff up for a while just i won't have, you're, you're I won't have you sullying the good character name That's right so i went out to west texas and uh then we just hated west texas not i like the place i was at the, the the town's nice people are nice but we just hated the location being away from yeah, everything. you were married then. Yeah, so we now. got married. Um, we got married right after I graduated undergrad, okay. and then we she put me through vet school. My wife put me through vet school. Basically, we had a baby in vet school, so we moved out. Me, my wife, and a baby to West Texas. We hated it out there just because we were far from our friends and our family, and we wanted to move back to Bernie because we just liked this area. Yeah. So we, I begged my dad for a job. He gave me a job. I worked for him for a couple years, and then uh, he was ready to retire, so I bought his clinic from him. I worked for a few more years and then I YouTube, I, I just started making YouTube videos and they started hitting and taking off. And that's when I kind of started pulling 
time away from vet medicine and doing more YouTube stuff. So, so did you start YouTube once you came to work with your father? No, I had been cool. doing it for a long time just for fun. Mm-hmm. I had been uploading just for fun and like nothing had ever hit. And then like we had one video just randomly go really viral and that like showed me like, oh, this is like a real thing. And that was, that kind of clued me into, you can make this, make, I wanted to make side money. I just wanted to like have a little side income. I thought it'd be cool. So I tried for a couple of years to try to make another viral video and I never could do it. I just, Oh, you couldn't figure out what the, how the first one went viral. No, I, what, it was, what year was that one now? Uh, no, I know why the, I mean, I guess, I, I guess I know why the first video was a video of a baby deer and, um, my, my brother had found this baby deer and it was like all by itself and really and you shot it. And I, no, we okay. killed it and we barbecued it and it was so tender. <clears throat> no. And uh, he took it home and my little sister bottle fed it and raised it. And so then she just took this video one day of this baby deer playing with my parents' black lab in the front yard. I was already in college at this time, so I wasn't home. But she filmed this video of this baby deer and this dog playing with a soccer ball out in the front yard. Super cute. So I saw it and I was like, can I put that on my YouTube channel? That's cool. And I think people like to see it. And I put it on there and it went viral. It went on the Ellen DeGeneres show. It went on Anderson Cooper. It went all over the place. It made like 3000 bucks in a couple months. And I was like, I mean, it made the first thousand bucks overnight. And I was like, what? This is crazy. Why did I go to medical school? Yeah. And so then I'm like trying to film every animal I can find to make another viral video and nothing hits like nothing. And I, couldn't figure it out. And then I tried just doing like family vlogs because there were a few family vlogs channels I had seen. I didn't do very good at that. Like no one watched my videos. And I finally gave up and I was like, I'm just going to make videos about guns because that's what I like to do anyway. Okay. Well, then when was your next big video? So it was when I finally stopped trying and I just was making content I like to do. And we were just out. I was in, I was in vet school actually. And we were out just shooting in the woods and these didn't go as viral, but they had more success. And we randomly put a bunch of like weird stuff in shotgun shells. So like thumbtacks and toothpicks. And we were just firing them at targets. We were just playing around like me and my redneck friends in vet school. Oh, and uh, that one got like 100,000 views or That's something. And I was like, dang, people like seeing weird stuff. And, and so I kind of started copying that. But it just took a couple of years for me to really figure out what people wanted to see and like what I wanted to do. And. And then it was it was when I moved back to Bernie where I actually had the time and I had a place to go shoot that I really was like, all right, I'm going to buckle down and try to make YouTube work. I'm going to like put effort into my videos. And that was in 2014 was when I decided I'm going to, I think it, I mean, it was 13. I'm going to try hard and make this work. And that was when Demolition Ranch started really growing. It was a couple of years after that then that I was first introduced to you through yeah. my, my friend yeah, um, who was like, man, you got to check this guy out. And I remember at first I told you right my initial like I was like, oh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, I think he showed me a couple off the ranch videos as you driving around. Um, he showed me some of the shotgun shell videos. And I was like, man, that's crazy. I referenced one of your videos when a buddy of mine back where I grew up was like, I wonder if a BB will like if you shot a shotgun shell with a BB, if it would if it would set it off. And I was like, actually, let, there's a guy. And so I and, you know, this was years ago. Yeah. Right. As you know. And so that was my first, so until, and really, I mean, until I heard from you guys about, about this gig, yeah, um, that was the last time I really, really thought about yeah, it. Yeah. And that's, that was, that must've been right after you. That's the perfect example of like what I used to do was like, I was just like, I always wondered, wonder if a BB gun could set off a shotgun shell and I would go, I set up a contraption to try it safely and it did. And I made a video and yep. it, you know, 
back then probably got a couple hundred thousand views and mm-hmm. now it's you know probably got a couple million views oh yeah and i think it's one it's it's one of those where you go back and you look and it's like man some of your videos have you know 20 over 20 million 20, yeah. 25 million yeah. views yeah i mean that one's probably eight years older yeah seven years old or something so well then when did you stop betting um i'm trying to think it was probably three years ago 18 yeah so almost yeah so four years ago wait you're not a vet anymore <clears throat> i am still a vet how does he do it all how i does don't he... own a vet yeah yeah <laughs> my commenters still think i'm a full like full-time veterinarian working all the time but do yeah. you have to you have to maintain that so i actually you you do if you want to keep an active license um but I called the board, the Texas Veterinary Board, and I was like, hey, what do I need to do if I'm not going to practice? And they were like, just put your license license to inactive. And if you ever want to activate it again, then you just take double the continuing education hours that you normally would have to take in a year. So I can go back and make it active again with a week's worth of work, basically. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that's great. So were you, were you like, uh, I, I don't know the difference, but like a large animal vet or just... So in vet medicine, you have to learn all of it. Yeah. Um, so I could, a vet can be anything. Oh, so then you just specialize mm-hmm. in whatever you and, want. And then you just go out and work, whatever. So I only did, after graduating, um, small animal. I did dogs and cats. But, yeah, I, I have had my arm all the way up cow's butts and everything. So. <laughs> Who hasn't? Yeah, I mean, it's it doesn't make you a normal vet. Friday night. That <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just makes you a good time. <laughs> It is really warm though. Yeah. Like when you're cold and it's like 30 degrees outside, you want to be that guy. Go shoulder deep in that cow's butthole. Mm. I don't think there's any circumstance I can find myself being like, I am so cold, I want to stick a part of my body inside of of an animal's anus. You've obviously never been cold enough. Let's bring him to New Hampshire in January. (laughs) I'll sort this out. I'll show you real cold. Boy. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. I'd already, I own the clinic. Um, and I had hired veterinarians to work there for me. Like I'd hired one. And so I worked part-time for a while. And then I just kind of started, like, it was like YouTube was more profitable, more flexible and more fun. And so it was really hard to want to keep doing veterinary medicine sure. when YouTube allowed me like to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And so it's real I, freedom. Yeah. And I just started like pulling hours away from vet clinic and putting those toward YouTube. And then finally I was like, like I had someone else, want, another vet wanted to come work. And I was like, sure. So I hired her. And so I had full-time vets working at the vet clinic and I just stopped working for a while. Um, and I was like, I'm sure after I haven't done this for six months, I'll miss it and want to come back and do it. And I never did. Like, I was like, man, YouTube is just so much more fun. I don't miss being a vet. I do a little bit. I miss certain things of it, but yeah. So I just, after I had not worked for like a year at the vet clinic, I was like, I think I should just sell my practice. And so I sold it to the the two veterinarians that were working for me. Oh, that's cool because yeah. it is like even if you don't have to do anything, it's still like stressful in the back. Of it your was. Mind. There's liability. You feel responsible. A hundred percent. And yeah. I still felt like I need to make sure to go in there and check in on things. And you know, it it was very stressful, even though I wasn't there every day. And I was what like, do you miss about it? I miss being a burden to the vets that were doing the work, <laughs> killing <laughs> animals. Is that what you miss? Yeah, I just miss murdering animals every day. No, I I miss the animal part. Like what. I don't really like, so when I was a vet, I always wanted to like get in there, talk to the client as little as possible, which is not a good trait as a veterinarian. I was going to say, is this, any like, is this like no. being a school teacher? Like you love the kids, but you hate the parents. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, I want to go just treat the animals. And so that's like, I actually have a veterinary channel where I would just get homeless animals that had, you know, some car, they hit by a car or something. So they have a broken leg that needs to be amputated. And I would go take it from the shelter. I would bring it back. I'd fix it with donations from the YouTube audience. 
and then I would give it back to the shelter and they would find a home. So it was way easier to find a home for a dog that oh, is ready to go than one with a, a dangly leg that needs surgery, yeah. you know? And so I did that and it was awesome because I didn't have that's to like... That's pretty cool because that's a good charitable thing to do as well. It was good. And I, like, I think that's, that's what I could see myself going back to is because I just, when I would go sit in the room and I would talk to clients about heartworms and it was the same talk I had had, you know, 30 other times that week. And I was just so burned out on talking about heartworms. I was like, I'm not making a difference here. Like I want to do something different. And so I think I could see me do it. If I was going to do veterinary medicine again, I think I'd figure out a way to do it like that. The chair, oh, that's a cool thing to teach your kids and stuff as well. Well, and that's, that is, that obviously, I mean, honestly is the one thing I really miss is my kids thought it was so cool that I was doing that. They would come up there, they, <laughs> they would watch me doing surgeries and they just thought like, my dad is so cool. And they watched me doing this YouTube stuff and they're like, eh, you're just making dumb videos now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, well, that's one of my questions here. Uh-oh. The cards are coming I, out. I've been wondering what these cards were this whole time. What do your kids think about Demolition Ranch? So um, they think different things. I have a a almost 11, almost 12. Huh? Yeah, I'm getting mixed up now. Addie is almost 12. Um, she is very smart, very grown up. She thinks Demolition Ranch is lame. Like she's <laughs> sounds like an adult. That yes. was, that was, that was so 11 years old. Dad. Yeah. She's, she's very mature and she has no interest. She'll watch the videos, but like, if I'm like, do you think that's cool? She's like, I don't care. Whatever. Uh, my middle daughter's nine and she is, she's pretty, she's like cool and chill. And like, she also just loves anything I do. And so she always thinks uh, it's pretty cool. And probably her friends at school, they're, yes. they're the age where it's well, everything and, you do is awesome. Well, and my, yeah, my oldest too, like, she's annoyed that all the boys at school talk oh. about demolition ranch, you know, cause like she's middle school. So like, that's kind of where we start picking up some of that demographic. But then my son is eight and he thinks everything I do is gold. And so he just is like, oh, you're so he, lucky. He wears demolition ranch stuff all the time. Like he loves that. I am the demolition ranch guy. That is so cool. He thinks it's cool. He actually told me, or he told my wife's mom, she said, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, I want to be a veterinarian and then I want to quit and be a YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> dude that success is apparent i'm telling you because yeah, it my, feels good because like to a much smaller degree but i could be like at the airport with with my kids and you know because of social media and i make m myself known you know like the honey badger that was a cool thing about us doing the honey badger a long time ago and i did uh technical editing for call of duty and that's how i got the honey badger in there like oh, 12 years ago that's cool yeah so it, advising and stuff on the guns like when uh call of duty was probably the it was the largest game already i'm sure but they were trying to make it more realistic because they were getting, I think, competition from some other games that were maybe, um, you know, they were criticized for the guns not being realistic. I sure. guess. So, so they wanted like industry people to start advising stuff. So I did that and got Call of Duty in there. Anyway, so once it got in there, like every little kid knew what the honey badger was. And mm -hmm. I've told the story before. My son went to an international boarding school, started when he was 12 for a few years and there were kids from like 30 countries there. And the year he went, there was a kid from China there. He didn't even speak English. He had a translator live with him for the first year. Jeez. And that kid knew what the honey badger was. Really? And it was like, and so my son, like he grew up with the guns. And wanted, so same thing. Like yeah. I was just kind of lame. Yep. And then, then he like, realized the reach. All of his friends like thought I was the coolest dad in the world. You know, and there was a kid who was dad on some helicopter company and he would fly him there in the helicopter. And that was cool. But it's like, you know, Aiden, Aiden's dad designed the honey badger. <laughs> and 
So it made me cool. And, and of course, my daughters never cared. Yeah. But the, it, the last time I was in the airport with them, somebody stopped me and wanted to take a picture and all. And my kids are like, that is so ridiculous. Like, <laughs> all you do is have a gun company, Dad. Like, why would somebody want your picture? Because I'm good at it. But if they saw, like, you know, a Kylie Jenner or something, they would lose their oh, mind. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. But I was like, well, gun nerds, doll. You know, like, they love yep. the guns. So it's cool to them. I can't imagine yeah. being you or, like, yeah, with the subscribe, you can you go anywhere without somebody asking you stuff or talking to you? No, anywhere big, we'll we'll get people noticing. Yeah. Air- airports will get five people noticing yeah. and that kind of thing. But I, I never wear like demolition range gear or something in yeah. an airport. But um, I mean, yeah, you, you were wearing two hats that one time. Two hats. You were wearing that sombrero hat that, <laughs> and then and then a baseball cap like on top of it or underneath <laughs> yeah. it, and people were still, are you uh are you yeah. that guy? Yeah. Mm, Even when like I had mask on, like when masks were in the airport, I don't have a mask on and people still like noticed it was I was blown away that people could still recognize me with a mask on. But does it ever get annoying to you? Do you? uh... Um, Rarely. Like when I'm out in public, hardly ever gets annoying um, unless it just totally interrupts what I'm trying to do. So we went to a high school football game. Um, This was a couple years ago. And we there were a bunch of like middle school age kids there in the audience watching and so they didn't know that like he's with his family just trying to watch the football game and just crowds of kids just would not leave us alone the whole game. Yeah. And so that was like, we haven't been back to a football game. because I was like, that was terrible. Like I just wanted to sit there with my family and hang out, but you know, we'll have somebody come up to us at dinner or something at a restaurant and say, I don't want to be that guy, <laughs> but, and then they, they're that guy. It's the only time it has ever bothered me is like dinner with my kids. Yeah. It's, you know, like, I don't mind, like, if you're waiting for a table or yeah. after, but 100%. Like, yeah. during is weird. The rest of the time, like, and I'm, it, I'm eating. I don't want to touch your hand. Like, those try to shake my hand. I'm like, I'm eating right now. Like, I don't know what you do with your hand. Like, <laughs> yes, I, you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a mystery. All right. But yeah, like when I see somebody in the grocery store or in the airport and they talk to me, never a bother ever. Yeah, it's, like, so, it's so cool. Yeah. And, but it is like you were talking about earlier. Which I'm sure Thomas edited out about like if somebody tries to show you one of your videos or something, how it's like embarrassing and stuff. Yeah, because it is still strange to me that people, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like I don't, if I'm like a, a fan of a celebrity or somebody that you see with a persona online, like I don't generally want to meet them. Yeah, if, if I like them. Yeah, because it's like I don't know. It's still like meeting your heroes or whatever. That's so how like, I felt what, meeting what Matt. I was super disappointed. <laughs> yeah. People like, ask me all the time, "How is he?" And I'm like, "He's." Man, yeah. he's very demanding. Mm-hmm. He Makes pays me well coffee. for a reason. Yeah. It's the only thing keeping me around is the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting to talk about, like, the safety aspect, because I don't really think about that. But, um, yeah, I guess there's all, like, the crazy people with all types of celebrities, whether it was, like, John Lennon or whatever, where, hey, oh, I'm a huge fan, so I'm going to show up and shoot you in the face. Yes. Yeah. Like, well, That's a weird one. Whenever I leave town and the family's still here, like we get a security guard to stay at the house just because I'm like, what if someone saw me on Instagram that I'm out of town and they say, this is the time I'm going to go to the house or something. And, um, you know, we have some other safety precautions and that we don't ever talk about too, just in case. But um, generally, I, I luckily, we're a well-liked, you know, public figure. And we're not very controversial or anything. And I can't imagine if I was somebody who was more controversial where you actually have haters who wish you were dead, Yeah, you know, and you get death threats like that. I don't know how that's you, a good, that's a good point. I don't know how you would like 
not be scared every time you went anywhere that someone's you'd, you'd get the to, kind of kind of stalker that would be like i just love you so much yes Matt, i want to touch your face and wear your skin yes yeah, that, that's the weird one that i worry about i would think with you naturally before you said that that it would just be someone who's anti-gun and that hates yeah. to promote anything but, with firearms. but i'm not i'm not like one of those people who's like out there saying i want to change all these you know political things and i'm i'm really not i don't i don't get political online i think you're so. objectively not divisive right like I, it's hard like yeah people cannot like you because of the silliness and the goofiness or whatever and they yeah. have the right to want Jealousy. to be super serious about you know how they hold themselves take themselves and take life too seriously but yeah no nobody can say that you have ever made yourself a target because yeah. of your stance well, like, on things coleon noir like i i agree with like almost everything he says yeah, but he's most reasonable people yeah people would, yeah but he's very polarizing if you were on the other side you would hate everything he oh, says of course. you know whereas if you watch my videos it's like well i don't really like those guns but you know he looks like he's having fun whatever like yeah you know. I, I think yeah hard to argue with a guy who's blowing up a pumpkin yeah well <laughs> I, I you know it's funny because i've said it to like a bunch of people it's like i was doing demo ranch in like 2000 yeah because me and my friends, I had a farm and a range, and we, you know, Tannerite, we were blowing stuff up all the time. She was like, we never even thought to make a video. Or yeah. Because, I mean, I don't, there was no YouTube, I guess, yeah. but didn't even think about it. But it, yeah, it's just so fun. We did it for fun. So I get it. So, so you're having fun, and that comes through. Um, and I love the idea, too, of not taking yourself too seriously. That's always been a problem within our industry, I think, with firearms. Because, yep. like, I didn't grow up with guns, and I got into guns uh, in my late teens when I was exposed to them and I just thought you know and it wasn't because I wanted to be you know like an army ranger or anything it was just the mechanical aspect of guns and shooting is fun and but you know like I love all sorts of activities like that but guns I think was complicated enough to be interesting to me but simple enough to where I could understand sure yeah. and so I just like found kind of a, a niche there but I have always hated the super tactical, just that that super macho attitude that sort sure. of is in our industry. And so now it's different with my old company. You know, we had a lot of military and government clients. And when I started Q, it's like intentionally I want it to be different. I didn't want it to be named armament or gun anything. So you wanted to kind of be more of a civilian friendly. I just want to do what I want, and I yeah. like I like having fun and, and having a good time, and and uh, and you know I love innovation, so I love the product innovation, but you know I love the marketing and all, and I don't want it to be like the rest of the industry. I just think overall, yeah. most of our industry, the marketing is way behind and it sucks. Yeah, yep. the videos mostly are terrible. The attitude sucks. I mean, gun stores and all are getting better because instead of all being a little mom and pop now, you have like Mission Ridge here. You have like this $15 million facility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you have to take customer service and stuff seriously now because yep. you have a lot of competition. That's the thing that I remember walking into. I went to school in Austin and just by chance down, I lived in, in West Campus right right next to the school. And yeah. there was this old... <laughs> <laughs> we we don't we don't really spar too much over that, but it is funny when it comes up. Um, there was this old gun store from like I assume maybe the the 30s 40s, uh, old family run place, and I was super excited because this was college. I was getting into you know Call of Duty was you know what I would do after class, and I already had a couple guns, and I was you know fight, figuring out ways to get the next thing, and so I had a spot to go now. And every time I would go in there, it was always very off putting getting sized up by these, you know, Bubba's and Fuds and, you know, kind of, they wouldn't sell me 308 uh, ammo one time, 
because they, I wasn't 21 yet. And they said, we can't sell you anything that can be used in a pistol. And I remember thinking, what the fuck pistol takes 308? Yeah, I guess that no, old Remington that. little And so, yeah. well, now, nowadays, yeah, this was, you know, well before, like, you know, SB and the brace, you know, thing took off. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay. But that, it, just, it was really weird because um, it, it felt like strangely discriminatory. I don't know why, like. Like this, that's that's BS. That I think it's always been very off-putting like those traditional stores, and that's kind of mm-hmm. how I grew up, and I couldn't stand it. And like the gun store that I, well, when I grew up, when I was probably seventeen, I started working in the gun store, and everyone else that worked part time was a police officer, yeah. and they knew everything in the world and whatever you liked as a customer that wasn't what they were into. You were an yeah. idiot. Mm-hmm. Let me explain to you why. They only liked Berettas. Ah. Oh. Yeah, it 45 was, is the Lord's caliber. <laughs> the Lord's two, caliber. World war, <laughs> two world wars. Oh, yeah. So, so it's interesting to me to see it change. And, and just, you know, the industry is probably 20 times bigger. than. I didn't realize how much the industry had stagnated between 94 and 04, right? Because I was 4 to 14 years old. And then I remember in 08 when I bought my first, when I turned 18, I bought my first AR with graduation money. That's so cool. I didn't realize you were like into guns before this really. Yeah, man. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Like Thomas, I one thing I love about Thomas is Thomas knew nothing about guns when he came to work for me. He's very creative. And you know, his dream would probably be to be a rock star or a documentary filmmaker. What do you mean, man? He is a rock star. To me, he is. I would invest in and him. This He's incredible. is a documentary and this film. This is that kind of a documentary. See, yeah. But if and you guys probably haven't seen any, but you know, I go to Africa all the time and we've been mm-hmm. testing a new cartridge we're working on, but Thomas does all, you know, the videos and the editing and like, I don't got to be a dream for him. Well, I think the hunting thing was weird to him, but yeah, now he gets to travel the world with me and hunt. And yeah. so now it's almost like he's gotten bloodthirsty <laughs> because he Uh-oh. wants me to shoot something every day when we're out there. Cause Kevin, I want you to kill it. He, I want you to kill it good. And the first few animals, like he had never seen an animal killed until he was, with him. And so, you know, take him to Africa. And Africa was the first time he'd ever seen it. And he understood, but he didn't understand. And But he's he's a big soft heart, and I, I get it. But he started to learn about conservation and everything and what we, you know, do there for the herds of animals. And then also, like, for me, we got we got we to gotta test the stuff that we should, especially if, sure. if we're guaranteeing things or it's for the military or government. Um, you know, gel test only goes so far. You can shoot soap and all these other things, but it's that's fun, and that's what we do. And you know, I, like I love shooting pumpkins or whatever it is. You need to see what it does to meat and bone, though. Yeah, you have to. You have to see, and it's a legitimate thing. But now, like Thomas wants content, so he expects me to shoot some stuff. He does not like when we go two days and we don't shoot something. Mm-mm, he gets an attitude. But what I love about a lot of what Thomas does, being from outside the industry, now he's starting to love guns and shooting. Mm-hmm. He even shot a baboon. A right bu- in the a head. baboon. A baboon. Baboon. Headshot. Yeah. And, and, he, and he wanted the skull. And I'm like, Dude. Thomas, why did you shoot it yeah. in the, the skull's head? gone. <laughs> with an 8.6? Eight, 6.5. Eight, mm, Imagine a blue. That would I'm be. not a hunter. I've never had any desire to hunt. But for some reason, I don't like the baboons <laughs> go and like take baby lambs out of their mothers when they're being born and stuff. And uh, I just thought that I had to owe the you know, the flock, uh, some redemption. Can you eat a baboon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the baboons. Isn't there a saying, though, where, like, if you eat a baboon, it'll haunt your dreams for the rest of your life? Well, you have to... No, you know what it is? It, was it the Zulu or the Kaza? So some of them do, but you have to... Um, you have to look it in the eye. So you take the head off, 
And when you're eating the meat, you have to look it in the eye or it's going to haunt your dreams or something. Because, you know, they're like super. That would haunt my dreams. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> Looking at it. No just kidding. Like, I'm just not going to shoot any monkeys. But, but you yeah. know, the, um, but like the, the natives over there tend to be very superstitious and stuff. Yep. And so they like still believe in witchcraft and all these things. A lot. So there's all these rules for doing things. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just not going to eat the baboon. Is there a season for baboon? <laughs> Every day. <laughs> Every day, <laughs> every day, but <laughs> you know, it, it's like day. people because I'll get because you know, I post a lot of hunting stuff and I get mm-hmm. that there's a lot of people against it. And I was when I was young, but I was just ignorant to like the conservation, the aspects of it. But like, all I got to do now is like Thomas is saying, show a baboon, grab a lamb, and rip that thing open to get the babies and stuff. And some people will be like, shoot the baboon, you know, like you don't realize like Mother Nature is that's it's brutal. Shoot yeah. it, shooting an animal is in the wild is the best death it's ever going to have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're going to get ripped apart by another animal eventually. Or starve to death, yeah. which mm-hmm. both, I think, are pretty terrible. I follow this uh, Instagram account called Nature is Metal. Oh, everyone does. Yeah. Holy so cow, good. it's crazy. That's some that, education. That's right? testament, yes. though, to how many people are like, you know, it's maybe they, they stumbled across it and they're like, I didn't realize life was like this. Yeah. And they're it like, just okay. shows animals being killed by their animals nonstop. Yeah. And it's like, dang, that's sad. But oh, that yeah, would be that us. happens every day. That would be us, too. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, like Bambi or whatever, all these Disney movies we grew up watching, it, it, you know, it doesn't show any of that. The animals all get along and just yeah. they're all eating grass. And and we try our best to we try our best to educate because a lot of people think that, you know, we're just like Kevin's just this rich guy that goes out and just like trophy hunts and stuff. But like we fully believe and support, you know, conservation in these other places. And not only is it for conservation, but a lot of this, like a lot of these places, especially Africa, um, like the people there are employed by this. This is how mm-hmm. they eat. This is how they, you know, make a living yep. and stuff. And it's a huge part of the population yeah. that is a part of this. And, and rich white guys going there to hunt are the only reasons. It's the only reason there are animals still in Africa. No. Yeah. I mean, everything would be extinct. Like it would all have been, they would have eaten all that stuff. They don't understand conservation for the most part. And then they would, you know, cattle and goats after that. But, I mean, it's the thing, because you think about it, I talk about in the podcast about I went on a lion hunt, and I took a little heat for that. But if you understand, it's like there is no intrinsic value, like, to a lion other than in Africa rather than, like, Europeans and Americans wanting to come hunt them. Yeah. Because, I mean, you think about, like, if you had 550-pound cats that would eat you and all your livestock yeah, on you, this. Yeah, you, you can't let your kids wander around out here because they might get eaten by a big the cat. The natives poison them. Yeah, like the, snare them and poison them. If, if there were lions walking on my property, kill I would them kill them so that my kids don't get eaten by them. 100%. Yeah. You think, okay, so that's the most important thing. But, you know, in most parts of Africa, in these villages and all, they also have to, you know, they all raise their own food. So they have cattle and goats and sheep. And so, yeah, you know, true. if it's in an area where there are you lions, the lions, off every day. the lions are lazy. So they would just live 100 yards away and yep. just hop the fence and grab hey, on a cow. We want a goat day. today. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and so they snare them and just shoot them in the head or poison them. So there would be none. And so then they started to understand because when I went on a lion hunt in Mozambique, um, there were the local village th- that neighbored it. They get half the money of my hunt, and it was half their money for the year, yep. the entire village. So it makes them want to protect those lions. Oh, yeah. I so, never really thought about so that. So they start helping with the anti-poaching and yeah. stuff mm-hmm. because, because you know, the Chinese buy, like, the bones from the lion's paws and stuff, and so they poach them for the Ivory. Just like the, the rhino. So all right. that stuff. So then the, the, the native village starts helping with anti-poaching because, you know, they'll get nothing if it's poached. Right. But, it, you know, if I come and shoot one, they get 
half their money for the entire year for the entire village. Huh. Do you have any read on how on the the poaching market industry, whatever black market versus the legitimate conservation hunting side of things? Like how far off are like is it something where like the black market for 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 poaching is in the billions of dollars? And the, yeah, and well, are you asking if you can kill a lion cheaper on the black market? <laughs> so, so how much would it cost to bring a lion to demolition ranch? No, that'd be sick. Like, like how, like, what are the, you know, the incentive is for these people like work for poachers or work against them? The Chinese, because the Chinese drive, <laughs> they drive, well, they drive the market for almost all the poaching. So, like, you know, rhino horn is per gram the most expensive thing in the world. Rhino horn, rhino horn really? per gram, and and like the natives don't understand that it's like a it's you know it's like a fingernail or whatever. Like mm-hmm. you cut it off, it grows back, and you can dart a rhino and cut the horns off, and you don't have to kill the rhino. So that's why you know, like the rhinos all going extinct, but they're doing a good job of the anti poaching now. And since they started cutting the horns off, like most ranches, every time they find one in the wild, they'll dart it and cut the horns off, and they keep them that way. And so then there's no incentive to poach them. But, for instance, um, if someone poaches a rhino and they get two good horns off of it, they get $3,000. Well, the rhino horn, like, those two horns, like, in China sell for, like, a quarter of a million dollars. So, you know, there's, like, several middle people. Right. But if, if, so the population's coming back on the white rhino, and hopefully, eventually, they'll be able to hunt them again. And this is why it's important to build the population to hunt them, because right now, like, rhino... uh, you know, you being a vet, I can educate you a little bit, but you probably know. Like, rhino's a huge animal. And, and yeah. the graze, they eat so much. So there is no incentive for, like, the, the farmers or the ranch owners to have a rhino because they can't, like, sell it eventually or sell the hunt. And it eats way more grass than the cattle. So there's no, like, they don't want them there. So, like, rhino's really cheap right now. If we can get the population up, what they should do in Africa is allow them at some point to sell the hunt to shoot the rhino because then there would be an incentive for all these ranch owners to allow rhino on their property because if they could sell the hunt for $70,000 in five years from now. People want to pay to have rhinos. Yeah, and then yeah. farmers would, would be fine with having them there. Um, so it, it's kind of an interesting dilemma, but I, I think most of the stuff, lions are poached just for the bones, I think, and the feet, and then pelts. You know, uh, that's, not that, that's not really expensive, but the mm-hmm. tusk on elephants, of course, that became a big thing. Um, you know, I think there's, what, like 200, 250,000 elephants that need to be culled in Southern Africa. Like a lot of people, I think Americans overall are very ignorant to the fact that, like, if they think that, like, elephants are extinct or lions are near extinction because they're not in this part of Africa. But it's just be just like if you live in Florida and you don't see an elk. It's like, oh, well, they're endangered. You better not. You better not shoot them. It's like, well, you just don't live where they are. So mm-hmm. if you live somewhere where there's not a lot of elephants, you don't shoot them. But if you live somewhere where it's overpopulated, it's another thing the natives snare and kill. Yeah. Because they're so destructive and they'll eat all their corn and everything. So you have to maintain these populations because people don't understand like elephants push, uh, you know, like a herd of elephants will push over 100 acres of like these canopy trees. And so it displaces all of these other animals. Mm. And so you got to keep all those populations in check. But it, most of the poaching is from all this weird stuff like the rhino horn. You grind it up, put it in your coffee so you can still get an erection when you're 75. I, does <laughs> it, it work? <laughs> yeah. I, I'd understand that <laughs> it worked. I'm mean. not a big hunter, 
but now I just want to kill everything. Yeah. yeah. You've, you talked me into it. Let's do it. I'm going to murder every animal I see now. Everyone. No. You got, you got to leave a couple. Noah's Ark. Um, what, what were you doing before you were filming here? What were you filming? Uh, I was freelancing for, yeah. for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, what was most of your work? Uh, it was really split between Only fans. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of intimate content for Creed. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> nice. I wish uh, <laughs> the hot Texas porn industry. Huh? <laughs> it's it's booming. Uh, real estate. Speaking of booming industries, it was a lot of real estate that never slowed down during COVID. That's kind of when I started oh. freelancing, um, and then uh, gun industry stuff. So I've had a relationship with Mission Ridge. You brought up for four years. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, for five years actually. Because uh, I worked at a design agency that helped kind of fulfill their, or flush out their brand guidelines. And then when I left there, I ended up going to work in-house for Mission Ridge and then made some contacts there who, once I was freelancing, they needed content because they had gone off to do their own projects um, and then got in touch with, you know, it was just kind of this weird little, you know, um, you river that I path. followed. Yeah, a path that yeah. I just kind of kept following. And uh, actually, Mission Ridge contact is who put me in touch with Matt. And uh, yeah. Oh. Was you know freelancing up and and then who who was that? Uh, Peaches. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Peaches. Oh, you met her on set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's right. laughs> well, did all your YouTube buddies move to San Antonio because you're here? It's just easier for you guys to all do content. I, I that is funny. How I can't right? claim it, but they did. Um, they did all move here. But yeah, like uh, I think what it was was Black Rifle moved here. Um, and I think that was totally random. They, they were up in Salt Lake yeah. and they, they wanted to move to Texas. They looked at Austin, couldn't find a place they liked that in Austin and they found a place in San Antonio. And so they moved their headquarters down to San Antonio. And then a couple of them actually bought houses in Bernie, which is just right outside of San Antonio. And so I kind of linked up with those guys and I was like, Hey, y'all moved to my hometown. This is weird. Mm -hmm. And then it was like black rifle guys are all here and demolition ranch is here. And so I think it just was for people who didn't like where they lived, um, donut operator. He, I think he was the first one to move after that. So he was like, man, he had come down here a couple times and he was like, man, I love it down here. And so donut operator came down and AK guy, Brandon Herrera came down. Um, yeah, cause I think they're what, North and South Carolina, like mm -hmm. near yeah. where I'm from. Yep. Yep. And then there's a few other guys who came down as well. And so, yeah, it's like, this is the gun, the YouTube gun area, <laughs> I guess. It's pretty cool. Which is hilarious. Cause we moved here in 1988, I think, when I was just a little kid. And it was just funny. I remember when I was first starting YouTube that I, I was like, man, I wish I was like somewhere closer to like a, a California where all these other YouTubers are. Cause there was like no one in Texas to make videos with. And I was like, if I wanna make videos, I have to fly to California or fly to Tennessee or somewhere where there's other YouTubers. Cause it was just, it wasn't a big thing back then. Who were the, who were the gun tubers back then? It was Hickok. Yeah. Oh. 22 Plankster, Military Arms Channel, yep. Iraq Veteran, mm -hmm. um, uh, Coil what, Noir was what, around back then. Was um, old boy. Uh, and FPS Russia. FPS Russia. Yes, FPS Russia. And then um, Richard Ryan, he he had a big channel back then. That was, that was pretty much it, though. Yeah. And then there were a bunch of small channels. And so, like, I, I came up. Those guys were all bigger than me before I started growing. And so I was watching all those channels. And then I started growing yeah, Hickok was a big one that's how I yep. I mean I would the the knowledge base that yep. that he built for people um, I used it to decide what Glock I wanted yep uh, yeah he was, to try out at least. so the first collab I ever did was with 22 Plinkster and he was friends with Hickok so I flew up to Tennessee to 22 Plinkster's house and 
he didn't tell me, but he invited Hickok over too. So Hickok like walks in and I was like starstruck. I was like, Hickok 45 is, I was like, and he's like, he's like six, six, nine. You were telling me he's freaking tall, he's right? so huge. So I'm like, that's how tall you are though. Six, nine. Yeah. I'm six, nine yeah. for sure. So yeah, I saw Hickok and that was, that was the first collab I did. But yeah, there was no one in Texas back then. Well, it's, it's mm-hmm. interesting. Like you bring all those guys up and they all, like I, I've seen all videos from all of them, but well, Kyle, interestingly enough, uh, FPS Russia. So, so my farm in Georgia, he was the next town over. Really? Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, he, I, I didn't know what to think of his videos and everything. So he did a video on the original Honey Badger Advanced Armament, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't even go because I thought, like, I didn't know really what was going on. I didn't understand YouTube. Yes, I was going to ask. It was just because you didn't think YouTube was worthwhile or? No, it wasn't that. Because back then, no one thought YouTube was worthwhile. It mm-hmm. wasn't like it wasn't worth my time. It just seemed... I don't, I don't know, like not sketchy, but I, I didn't know how I felt about like his like fake Russian persona and the whole thing yeah. and the that whole was gimmick. Fake. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. totally. Jeez. So, so I didn't go, and so I, I sent uh, a guy that worked for me to do it. But God, I think that video has like ten million views or something. Probably got so, more than that. Yeah, uh, I mean, his videos back then got a lot of views. Yeah, so that I was, was watching him back then. Yeah, me too. You, you know Everybody what? Was. Who the the first one that I really love because I think it's something you do that that none of them except that Kyle did is it's entertaining. Like Hickok's videos, like it's good information, but Mm -hmm. I fall asleep before I finish watching one of those, but, um, Carnicon. So Jordan, so his his were so good. So good. You know, he was so talented. Did you ever watch him? Mm -mm. You would love Carnicon. Oh my Lord. He's like, he's like Grantham kind of, but in a funnier, weirder way. And it's, it's good. It's pretty it, funny. It's it's funnier oh, and weirder. Really? This is this is different. So okay, the um, check it out. So so he wrote like, I like came up with all the content. He wrote the music, performed the because it's got all that weird sort of techno yes. music. Yes, I didn't know he did all that. He did he did everything, all the editing, all this. You know, it was much more difficult than it is now. Yeah, he did everything. But uh, the LMG video, which is probably one of the best. So that's Trey Knight and I flying the helicopter in that video. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so he became, we became friends with him and, and Trey became very good friends with him. So then he would have access to the Knights Armament Museum. So in that video, like we run over a car with a tank and we blow all this stuff up. I mean, he's hilarious. We went and got all this flower. He dresses like an eighties dad with a wig and everything. (laughs) Really? Big Coke bottle glasses and like just, and he was a brilliant, brilliant guy. I don't know if he if he passed away or not. I don't know either. Yeah, he got, he got real sick. Yeah. Was he older? Or no, he's, he got sick. he's my age, but he got like MS. Was yeah. it MS? MS. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah, and so he stopped making videos eight years ago or something. He, I don't know if it was Yeah, years so ago. like two years ago, he posted something about it and that he was dying and was trying to raise money for like his kids for, oh, really? you know, to help take care of them. And so, so a bunch of us that knew him, we started contacting um uh, like charities that we knew within the industry, and he, he was trying to raise like fifty grand, and I think we raised like three or four hundred thousand wow, dollars awesome. for him. Yes, Thomas. Yeah, you would love his stuff. So as you, Thomas, you just you just crossed over to eleven million uh, subscribers, right? So yes, sir. It, now that you're getting like bigger and bigger, could be twelve million by now. I haven't looked in a couple of days. Right. Yes, it's very, it's, <laughs> it's approaching it, it. Are you? Is it like difficult? Is there like a lot of pressure to like make more content and like keep this going? Like, how do you like? How do you? sleep at night you know <laughs> well how, how do you sleep well, no, because like i like I he dreams like, about going to the bank in I, the morning i make you ever you ever cut yourself on a thousand dollar bill thomas I'll tell you what 
it doesn't it's, it doesn't sting <laughs> that paper cut doesn't far sting. though it's small scale for me like i find like it's like I, there's a lot of pressure in trying yeah. to come up with like the next thing that people are going to actually enjoy watching is that like how yeah that with you? uh i've had that pressure though for the whole 11 years um when i first started trying to do it really really you know i was like like i have to make this work i had the, the most pressure back then when i was trying to make it work because back then no one no one knew what youtube was um my wife didn't even believe in me because she was like you're wasting your time on this stupid youtube thing um oh meredith we had a lot of fights and i feel like i've really been ragging on my wife she's amazing Um, my understanding is you were this close to divorce at one point uh it it could (laughs) have been it could have been i don't know i didn't know that i was too busy the locksmiths were called yeah Yeah. so i actually funny story not not funny back then but um i while i was in vet school i was out in the woods making videos instead of studying for my my national board exams and all my friends are in the library all my vet school you know friends are in the library studying for months and i am out in the woods shooting guns and making videos because i thought i can pass that exam i've been in school for four years I'll, I'll pass it no problem i don't need to study and my wife was like shouldn't you be studying and i was like no and she's like everybody else is studying like judd's studying and brian's studying and like are you not going to go study and i was like i think i can do it i mean i've been learning all this stuff i filled my national board exams by one question big problem because you can't take it again for like uh i think it's like three months or something there's like four year and so i wasn't a vet like we graduated and i couldn't start practicing right away like so it cost me a lot of money we had a baby at the time and my wife was pissed i finally sleep on the couch my man yeah i got to take it again and i actually studied that time passed it um imagine that holy cow it was it was bad and like she was like you are wasting your time doing this. I didn't do any YouTube for a few months after that because I was I was in, I was in trouble. So Call then the doghouse. Yeah. So then I picked it up again, and she still was like, "Hey, you're wasting your time." And so I was like really stressed because I was like, "Like I have to make this work because I'm pointing at David like he's my wife." Like, you know, <laughs> surprise. She wants me to make this work, um, you know, or she's gonna say like, "I told you so." Mm-hmm. And so I was stressed about that, but I also was stressed because like. I, it'd be really embarrassing if I spent all this time and failed my board exams and then it finally would not work. And so I, I told Meredith one time, I was like, if I can get YouTube, I, I was just trying to make it, I, did, I didn't want to be 11 million subscribers. I wanted it to be enough that I could make some side money on it. I wanted to be a vet for the rest of my life. That was my plan. But I told her, I was like, if I can get YouTube to make $10,000 in one year, then I will think it was a success and this wasn't all just wasted time. And so I was really stressed because I was like, I got to, I got to do good enough that I can make $10,000 in a year. And I worked really hard that year and I made $16,000 and I put so much effort into it to make this $16,000, but it was a total success for me. I was like, tough as 16 grand. Yes. Ever make. I, I put, I, I stayed up past midnight so many nights that year to be successful and make $16,000. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And then it just started exponentially growing after that and turned out to be good. But I would say for the first five years, I didn't think it was going to keep working. And so I was, I was always stressed about, I got to make another good video because if I don't, if I don't get it out fast enough, I'm going to fall out of the algorithm and it'll be gone forever. And I won't have this awesome, fun side job that I have. But once I got to really, once I hit a million subscribers, I feel like the stress kind of went down because then I, in my own mind, I was like, I'm successful. I did it. Like no one can say that was a waste of time anymore. Like Matt made, you know, made a, a good amount of side cash. He has a million subscribers. Like he he did it. And so 
I think the stress actually was the, the most in the start when I was trying to make it work. And after I made it work, got to a million, I still stress about it, but not like I used to. You, you know what? I think even with, I mean, I think that's probably the same with any business yeah. when you're successful because, you know, f- for me with advanced armament, I remember thinking, like I didn't, I realized when I, so I started when I was 19 at 30, I realized I'm probably not going to have to get a job. Yeah. So what do you mean you started when you were 19? What, what did you start doing when you were 19? The company. So you like you started, started making yeah. guns at 19? No, we didn't make guns at first. We made silencers, accessories okay. and silencers. So you were making silencers at 19? Well, I was probably started making silencers around 97. So I was probably 20, 22, 23. That's crazy. Started making silencers. So did accessories first and then started doing silencers. Because I met someone who had designed silencers at Gemtech. Mm-hmm. And he lived in Atlanta. And I was really interested in silencers. So we kind of started doing that. But it grew. But, I mean, we're thinking, like, the company was worth millions of dollars by the time I realized, okay, I'm probably not going to have to get a real... Like, my, my fear was having to, like, work in a factory, have a job I didn't want. That's funny that you didn't consider that a real job, though. No, I didn't. Same thing with YouTube. Well, like, that's you know, the same... Well, it's like my parents didn't consider what I was doing a real yeah, job. I see. That so. sounds exactly like mine. Is I've, I've had a fallback plan my entire YouTube yeah. career because the whole time I thought, this might not work. Yeah, or, or it could go away. And I remember even after like selling Advanced Armament to Remington, and I remember like a couple years later, it was like, well, maybe that was a fluke. You know, yeah. I mean, it was like 17 years, but it's like, maybe that was a fluke. Yeah. And I can't do it again. And so I was nervous about starting again. Um, but then you realize, I don't know, with Q, starting Q, it was interesting, but. You have the stresses, like Thomas said, like the initial stresses, like you're talking about, it's like, oh, I've got to come up with, okay, what are our products? What are we going to do? But now, like, I have no concerns about that. Like, I know, like, the next five things I want to make, and I don't even think about beyond that. And I know, like, some tide will will turn, and we won't do some of those. But I know... I have faith in my team, and okay, now I'm you've, you've 48, and I've done it. No matter what the industry does, I'm going to come up with a cool product that can be successful. But now my stresses are like, we have a ton of employees, yeah. and that becomes the stress, you know, yeah. like whether it's managing them or, oh, well, thinking about them, like I care about all of them, you know, and yeah. it's, it becomes like your family, and you want to make good decisions well, for everyone. Well, not like all of them. <laughs> yeah. Do you care about me, Matt? Mm. Yeah, we'll them. talk about it. Mm. Not all of them. I care about yeah. you know some of them. <laughs> who, who, are you, who are you looking at, Matt? No, I, don't, I didn't thumbs up anybody. <laughs> but yeah, I think that yeah, the stress just changes. Like yeah. you, you know, like you found a what, and now you have like a huge fan base. So uh, yeah, I mean your your videos follow this pattern that people enjoy. So it's yeah. like you'll come up, keep coming up with cool stuff. Yeah, you've hit those obstacles before in the past and you've figured out how to adapt and go around them and keep growing. And so you you probably have that confidence in yourself now that there's going to be more obstacles. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to freak out and we'll figure it out because you've done it for, you know, 20 years or whatever. Yeah, I, I think it probably between 40 and 45 I, I gained the confidence that you know, basically no matter what happens cuz I know you know, like our general counsel at our company, she follows all the gun legislation and all the stuff, and she's always very concerned about every. You know, and that's her job. Yeah. You know, and 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 so she talks to me weekly. She wants to ask me about, okay, well, if this passes and this passes, and I'm like, Christine, come to me when it passes. Yeah. Uh, like I've been worrying about that stuff since the crime bill in '94. 
And you know what? I'm still here. And like, no matter what they pass, we'll look at what they pass and we'll make something innovative that keeps us within the law and we continue to operate. Like, I don't care. It's like me worrying about that is like, you know, worrying about like five generations of my family for me. Like, what difference does it make? Yeah. You know, it's like, I have no control over that. What I can control is here and we'll do this thing. Um, This, I don't get spun up about any of that stuff. I don't know. Is it because you have, you know, a supreme confidence that it's going to, nothing's going to happen or is it this things are going to work out for, for the company? No, I have anyways. supreme confidence that I am the greatest person in the world at my job. And <laughs> he's got confidence. There is not an, there yeah. is not another Kevin of Q. That is true. <laughs> no, I, I just, I have confidence in me and the team and the company that we've built and our culture and, and kind of how we do things. And I don't, I mean, we could get into making BB guns or, sailboats i mean i think we can be sailboats. whatever it is man. Two sailboats we we, we, we <laughs> i'm could, afraid of that <laughs> what would that look like i don't know no, i, I want to see a cute sailboat but i think anything within our industry and and i don't know because like i love guns i love small arms and but i i could you know if they ban guns all together we'll just start making you know high-powered air rifles yeah and be the best at that um you know, I'm not going to try to go out of my lane and actually make sailboats, but like within the industry of what we do, there's always going to be a desire and they legislation, like they're not going to ban everything that fires a projectile. So there'll be a place for us. And, and like, you know, we just have to be better than, you know, 80% of the other people. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is true. Like you don't have to be the best, the best. You just got to be up there and, find and, your, and find you'll, your you'll be successful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's like, I don't know, but you understand the medical industry pretty well. It's like if you were a general practitioner is, is like being a, a dentist, like general dentistry or whatever that is, as opposed to like an endodontist, mm-hmm. like this guy makes a hundred grand a year. This guy makes a million a year. Yep. And you know, like finding our niche, I think I got lucky and did it with silencers and then 300 blackout and then so stuff like the honey badger. Mm-hmm. And I think we've done it again with the fix. I think we've done it again with eight, six blackout, you know, so it's not like we're pulling stuff out of our asses at this point. Like we found a way to have a niche and to be successful where people just aren't. And, you know, like I don't want to compete with, you know, like the demolition ranch of the firearms industry. I'm not trying to be SIG with like 3000 employees. Like, I want to be awesome and do this one thing that I can try to manage. Yeah. Because well, you, you, you want to have freedom. I like freedom more than I like guns. Yeah. Well, that's, you, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> if you run SIG, you got to wear a suit and tie every day, too, probably. You know, when you're a big company like that, you got to be a corporate company. And Well, if you own SIG, you don't. But, um, that's probably true. Yeah, but, I mean, that's the thing. You know, I want to, I don't, yeah, I want freedom. I don't want to work for someone, and I don't want to do stuff I don't have to do, which I end up doing all the time. But I don't think it's as bad if somebody were telling me I had to do it or I wouldn't get paid. So how long do you want to keep doing what you're doing? I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I thought I was maybe going to be retired at 35 when I sold advanced armament. But then it's like, well, what what do you do? Like, I like taking the kids to school and all, but that's not like my life. No. And all your friends are working. So it's like, what do you do? That's, so I my goal was YouTube started really kicking for me at like 30. And my goal was to be in a spot where I could retire if I wanted to at 35. I'm 30, almost 37 now. Yeah. Um, and I did. I got, when I was 35, I was like, I could never work again. Like I could invest everything and just, mm-hmm. just live off investments. But I was like, but that's not me. Like I don't, 
I don't want to do that. Yeah, you're always oh. you're always going to be up to something. Yeah, right? and and always. I remember when I was like 32, I was talking to this guy who was super successful, you know, worth millions of dollars, and I was telling him like, I'm going to try to be if I want to retire at 35, I could. And he was like, you won't. And I was like, I might. And he's like, nah. He's like, I can tell just by talking to you, you're not going to sit. In. And I was like, kind of offended. I was like, Psh, you don't know me. Like, whatever. Yeah. Don't yeah. tell. And then me. I got to 35, and I was like, oh yeah, I have no interest in quitting. No, no one that's driven. I, I mean, just to go through vet school. I mean, someone that's that driven. Um, yeah, I would think that's right. And then doing all this hard stuff, like you work so hard to make $16,000. Yeah. Yeah. Once it becomes easier, I don't, I don't know. I don't think like I'm pretty lazy, but I realize now if I, you know, retired from Q and, and just moved to Africa, like I could afford to do that now for the rest of my life. Yep. And like, what the hell would I do? I would end up having some business over there. Yeah. 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 You'd figure out some, something yeah. to like challenge yourself. Y'all, y'all can't, people like y'all can't sit still. No. no I, 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 you're not going to go be a Walmart greeter. Like, no, because everything I see, even when. know me. <laughs> Walmart greeter. Damn it, Jenna, we're out of a job. I would be, I mean, it would be high fives all around. Yeah. I was a Walmart. What's up? Welcome to Walmart. Who's having a great day? You're having a great day. <laughs> well, I could see you doing that. So it's, a, it's a new intro idea. Yeah. yeah. Favorite demo video. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know because what I really like are the videos that really change the momentum of the channel. Um, And one of those would be like custom shotgun shells. Like when I first started doing those, it was like Iraq veteran was one of the first ones to share that. And I was like, oh my gosh, this big, he had like 300,000 subscribers or something at the time, but he shared it. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. That's big time. Like so I had a few videos along the way. I'd have to go actually go back and look at them to see. But like videos like that really changed momentum. It was like, you know, we're steadily climbing, getting a few more subscribers. And then boom, like we go yeah. start getting on all these websites and blogs and stuff where people are sharing it because we did something different. Oh, that's and cool. That was those are always my favorite because those were the most exciting times that I'll remember forever. Like when I was like, oh, I'm not a nobody now. Now I have, you know, 30,000 subscribers. This is crazy. So H&K or Glock? It's a basic gun question. H&K. Uh, no, nah, this is going to make everybody mad, but Glock. But H, HK is the sexy, cool one. You know, like it's so much sexier, but I, I just prefer Glock. All right. Nine millimeter or Texas? I'm going to offend everyone here because I'm nine millimeter too. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, well, I, I'm going to agree. I've been, but I've been wanting to shoot more 45 lately. 45 is so fun. It's fun. Oh, don't backpedal. That, 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 but nine LM, millimeter is what I pick every time. That um, uh, LWRC that we shot. Uh, yeah, a couple episodes ago, the SMG forty-five. Yeah, I want, I want to. I kind of, I kind of want that SMG to be my now. night gun. If I could make the charging handle not fall out, just get a UMP. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> How did I offend you? <laughs> I think Kevin just threw up in his mouth a little mm. bit. I love HK. I do not love the UMP. All right, who is your favorite YouTuber? Mm. And yours? Dang, people are gonna listen to this. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a soundbite. I watch every single one of Donut Operator's videos and Whistling Diesel's videos. I don't even know that one. He's a car guy, truck oh. guy. Um, I would say it'd have to be one of them. Anytime they put out a video, I watch it. I don't, there's no one else. And I have a lot of other YouTubers that are my friends and I watch a lot of their videos, but I, I watch every single one of those too. So it's got to be one of those. Oh, They're yeah. tied. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I started with Grantham uh, yeah. back in 2017. And, uh, these days, yeah, I rarely miss one of his or admin results. I've never watched admin results. He's he's funny too, yeah. in his own way. So what about you? Do you have a favorite YouTuber? Yeah, Demolition Ranch. <laughs> um, I, I don't. 
you know what you two well i i enjoy for our industry i enjoy your videos i enjoy brandon's a lot Mm -hmm. um you know like i think i'm partial to to donut for reasons other than kind of his video it's like my son when he was still relatively young you know he learned about him at boarding school and then he would come home on the weekends and he would watch him. So I think it's something he and I always did together yeah. and do together now. And so that makes me love him. Because, we, you know, we laugh together and there's so much just ridiculous shit in his videos. That yep. it's, and, and that it's real life, too, is another out. But I think that connects with my son. And then, um, so both of mine would be the same there because it, it's something that I did with my children. They love, like, some of the true crime stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there's this, um, uh, that chapter. I this kid named Mike, and so he's just hilarious, and he presents them in, in a real good way I'm accustomed to, but it's also like something, I cook dinner for my kids, we sit on the couch, and it's something that all four of us do together. Yeah. And so it makes me really love those videos, but there's a ton of people doing cool stuff. What do you know about 8-6 Black Adam? Ooh. So um, the only thing I know about 8-6 Black Adam is what David has told me. Yeah. I haven't read one single thing about it. Except that under a rock, she a dirty. Yeah, actually, I don't follow gun um, like news at all. Yeah, um, unless it's on YouTube. And so it's on YouTube beaten over the head on YouTube. Yeah, unless it's in like the most popular YouTube avenues. (laughs) Do you want to go shoot it? Um, Nah, I'm I'm good. Here you go. (laughs) He doesn't like guns. Yeah, I'm actually kind of scared of guns. All right, let's do it. (laughs) 